guest is Jay Leonard, who is the driving force as the company owner and director of the mobile app and website Social Kindred. The mobile app acts as a hub to promote the local Kitchener, Waterloo, Cambridge and Guelph area nightlife. Everything from food, music, trivia, stand-up comedy, burlesque, anything nightlife and culturally related, the plan is to find it all in one place in this app. If you want to check out the Social Kindred app, there are download links in the show notes for both Android and iOS. Social Kindred is expected to make its official launch with all its features this coming summer 2022. Local listeners may also be familiar with Jay as he is the drummer and band leader of Romeo Sex Fighter. Also, if you're in the local Waterloo region area this coming weekend, you can check out Romeo Sex Fighter live this coming Friday, May 27th at the Moose Lodge in Kitchener. Tickets are 20 bucks. For more information, check out the links again in the show notes. Enjoy the show. All right, we're back with another episode of the Industry Podcast. My name is Kip. This is Dan. What's going on with you? Oh, you know, just enjoy some lovely, lovely weather. Yeah, 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 it's actually for the day past Mother's Day, so it's looking pretty awesome now for a change. Uh, right. We have no snow this week so oh, far. Sure. Just give it a couple. Of days. <laughs> Just give it a couple. Of How are things going with you? How's business up at the bars? Uh, pretty sporadic, but uh, picking up in general. So mm-hmm. hopefully, with the nicer weather, it gets better. But this fucking needs to get back to a little bit more normality because basically it's impossible to staff because you get like a random Thursday that's super busy for no reason, but then Saturday's dead. Like, and it's just... And, oh, yeah, to, so. keep, to keep staff, right? Because they'll just go where the grass yeah. is always greener, huh? Yeah, and it's just like hard to, like I put extra people on a Saturday, it's dead. I put less people on a Thursday, it's busy. So it's just, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's hard. Well, but what are you going to do? Yeah, it's a lot of... We're open. There's no restrictions. I'm not going to bitch too much. Yeah. And uh, what, uh, what, what is open? What is the location again? Yes. Sugar Run, Speakeasy, downtown <laughs> Kitchener. Uh, You've got to find it on your own. But check out uh, Sugar Run Bar, at Sugar Run Bar on Instagram. And that's where you'll get notes on passwords, locations, clues. And uh, we have a big show coming up on June 4th that everybody should know about. Um, the Nick McLean Quartet, featuring Brown Man Ali, and for those who don't know, Nick McLean's a pretty world-renowned, award-winning jazz pianist, and Brown Man Ali is the trumpeter from the Guru Jazzmatazz records, and for anyone knows, Guru previously of Gangstar. So, big show, the link's in the bio at Sugar Run Bar, check that out. And then uptown we have uh, Babylon Sisters, which is the wine bar that is at Babylon Sisters Bar on Instagram as well. So, check that out. You know, bars need business. Go out. It's time to go out. Get off Netflix. Right. Uh, people don't even watch that shit anymore, do they? No, it's... Oh, yeah, they still watch. People are lazy. That's true. Yeah. I'm pretty lazy. Yeah. <laughs> okay, well, uh, we have a great guest, as always. Jay Leonard's going to be joining us in just a minute. Before we get there, we should mention that if you like the show, subscribe, rate, review. helps us a lot. To be checking out the archives, we... Oh, actually, we should mention that uh, if, if, for those of you who listened to last week's episode with Oliver Leung, he actually did follow through on delivering us some vodka that we should probably just take a shot of. Just to, Oliver, if you're listening, we're, we're going to drink some, uh, some of your Polish treats. Yes, there we go. The Luxasova and the Vyborova. Well, I'm glad you tackled that one this week. Because I mangled both those names yeah. on last week's episode, but <clears throat> Oliver came through. He sent us a beautiful box of vodka and swag and swag. Yes, yeah, some playing cards, coasters, pretty sweet stuff. Yeah, he came through. We love you, Oliver. Thanks again. So uh, while I'm uh, 
getting the rest of the housekeeping out of the way. Do you have some shot glasses we can? Uh, I do. Let me just turn off my mic so you don't hear me plowing through the cupboards. Well, whatever. You yeah. plow through. Um, <laughs> okay, so um, in addition to subscribing, rating, and reviewing, and checking out the archives, um, we should also mention that the artwork for us is... Sure. Yeah, I'll take yeah. whatever you have. Sure. Uh, the artwork for us is done by Zach Hanna at zachhanna.co. Check him out for all of your graphic art needs. He is tremendous. I feel like I'm forgetting something, but fuck, if anyone listens to this show, they've yeah. heard this spiel a million times. If you want to contact us. Oh, yes, yes, yes. If you'd like to be a guest on the show, it's uh, DM us at the Industry Podcast on Instagram, or you can email us. Sure, we'll be fine. Info at the industry podcast dot club. All right. Okay. So now, without further ado, uh, we're going to welcome Jay Leonard to the show with a shot of how do you pronounce this one again? I'm never going to get it. Luxasova. Uh, Luxasova. Is your mic back on? Luxasova. No, not yet. Okay. All right. Well, that was the best I could do. Yeah. All right. So we'll we'll do these shots back to back in honor of Thank Oliver. Surprise, and we'll do the shots of honor of Oliver, and then we'll we'll be able to discern which how how each vodka tastes and which one we like better. All right. No problem. Cheers. Cheers. Nazarovia. Luxusova. Luxusova. I enjoyed it. Yeah. <laughs> Luxusova is actually available on the rail at Babylon Sisters Bar, which you mentioned. So. Ah, uh, nice. Mm-hmm. That's pretty good. That, that is, is pretty solid. How about this one? Vibarova. One more time, one more time, Dan, for the pronunciation. Sure. Oh, that one's Vibarova. Thank you. Viv with a W. Yep. Yeah, Polish style. So Vibarova. So that means exquisite in Polish. Okay, has your fucking name on it. Oh, well, you know, you? I'm a drunk. <laughs> and looks so it means luxury. Right. We learned this last week on the show. Again, check the archives. Oliver Leung was a great interview. He's hilarious. So, cheers again. Cheers, Dr. Oliver. Thank you. I feel like I'm back in Russia again already. <laughs> Mm, that's just a little bit spicier. Yeah. Mm. They're both really good. I'm going to say for room temperature, though, it's uh, pretty easy to, to drink. Yeah. Don't tell him that. that you, that's what we served it at. Oh, that's no. A... We discussed this last week. Yeah. And he's all good with it. Okay. Right. <laughs> he says uh, basically what everybody says about their liquor. Drink it any way you want. So. I actually, uh, we when uh, when Romeo Sexfire does a show and we don't have all the original members, we come up with different band names. And so... One of them that's popular is uh, Jehovah's Fitness. <laughs> and uh, so one night they came up with Hot Vodka, oh. and that was the name of the band. And so as a joke, I decided to order a round of Hot Vodkas for the band. And, yeah. and what that is, is is it's half an ounce of vodka and half ounce of tea water. Oh. And I can tell you there, like, there's people that have done those drinks where it's like, oh, it's you count seven bottles from the left and six yeah, bottles yeah, yeah, from yeah. the right, and you mix it all up. 649. And, yeah, yeah, 649. <laughs> and, yeah, those can come out tasting bad, but believe you me, there is nothing worse than a shot of hot vodka. Oh, it fuck. is the worst. So. I'll tell you a story, and we'll get, get to our actual interview in a second here right. with Jay, but uh, we were one time, yeah, we were in Windsor, Ontario, and we had gone to a football game in Detroit, drank all day, Came back to Windsor to drink. There was some drug use involved, so we didn't want to stay in Detroit and go over the border with them. So, <laughs> so we came back to Windsor, drank all night there, and then at the end of the night, it was just like, hey, we were going to go to a casino, and you could tell everybody was fading. It was like, we need something to rally the troops here, so like, let's go, let's get a shot. But it's got to be easy, because we've been drinking all day. And 
So I go to the bar. Henry, well, do you remember what that bar was called? Eh? The Honest Lawyer. The Honest Lawyer, yeah. They had the bowling alley in there. Right. So we go to the, <laughs> we go to the really fucking... bowling alley in bowling there. Lane. Oh, yeah, yeah, there is, yeah. There yeah. Two, two, two bowling lanes. Yeah. Because that's what drunks really need is a yeah. bowling ball. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so I go to the bartender. I'm like, yeah, we just give us like... We just want like 20 polar bears. There were 20 of us. And, uh, and she's like, oh, yeah, no, no, no problem. So brings them over. Everybody's like, like, don't worry, guys. It's an easy shot. I just got us polar bears. Let's just get this in us, get head to the casino. Everybody shoots it back. It's warm polar, polar ice, ice vodka. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was That's tremendous. the bottle of the polar bear yeah. bottle, dude. Oh, fuck. Yeah. Windsor, Ontario. <laughs> yeah. Canada's don't. cultural mecca. Windsor, Ontario. Can't recommend it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, enough about me. Let's talk about you, Jay. Thanks My for family's from Windsor, by the way. Oh, oh. sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I love it there. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so let's. Uh, so one thing Jay is most known for, I think, these days is his website or app. I guess it it's is an sorry, app, yeah. an app, and uh, and also the fact that you're the band leader of Romeo Sex Fighter. So and just been in many other bands, but. What I didn't realize until you and I became more friendly was that you had also worked in the service industry for a very long time. Yeah, that's right. So let's talk a little bit about that, and then we'll get more into what you're doing these days. Sure. So uh, I got introduced to the industry as a child. Uh, so I started out in slave labor. Yep. My, uh, <laughs> my dear sweet mother was an accountant for a whole bunch of different restaurants. And so oh. to, in order to get, you know, get me into the workforce and stuff like that, she started me out as like busboy and host and greeter and dishwasher and stuff like that. And so all my friends were out partying at the age of 14 and 13 and I was like working in restaurants. But it was cool because I always had like a couple hundred bucks after working in the restaurant, so that was really cool. Yeah. And then you get a taste for it, right, once you start working. And, and the lifestyle, too, of the nightlife industry, you know, like, I'm out until 2.30 in the morning <laughs> hanging out with all these people in bars, and, like, you know, I look up to these people. All mm. the servers and stuff like that are super social and stuff. Yeah. So it was kind of neat to start there at a, at a young age, and then I worked uh, in all sorts of different positions. And this is down in Windsor the whole time? No, no, no. My family's from Windsor, but I'm, I'm homebred here. here. So, you know, like, I don't know if you guys remember... Uh, I think it was called Mingles. Mingles? I think I would remember that. No. So Mingles is where it afterwards it became Koalabies. Oh. I and then it became a Japanese restaurant there. It's, uh, oh man. It's where that McDonald's is on King Street. And there was a Tim Hortons there. And that oh, became oh, yeah, yeah. Zeke's. Yeah, yeah. Zeke's. Yeah, yeah, after it became Zeke's. Yeah, yeah. That's right. yeah. Zeke's the Koalabies the name sounded familiar. Yeah, so that Zeke's was the first one I remember. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah so it was two restaurants before Zeke's. Oh, wow. Those are some great names, too. Koalabies yeah, and Mingles? Mingles, specifically. Mingles. There's actually I'm going to reopen a Mingles. <laughs> there's a, another place called Mingles uh, at, uh, I think, uh, Victoria, and where the off-ramp is, uh, Edna, maybe? Mm. There's a plaza there. Oh, and it, yeah, yeah. it looks like they've just got excellent tuna fish sandwiches in there. <laughs> Dude, I, I, I love those names like that, though. Like, we, um, I was in Minneapolis, and they had um, the. We went to see a football game again, football, but uh, closest to the Metrodome at that time, the closest bar to it was this, uh, it was a gay bar called Tickles. It's <laughs> <laughs> like the best name for a gay bar I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> Pretty good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But uh, that's so. That's where I cut my teeth, anyways. Was uh, working through, through uh, restaurants through my mom. My favorite position in the restaurant industry was expediter. I really liked it because uh, I consider myself a diplomat. 
I, di- I discovered that later in life that that's really where my strengths are at lie. And so it's like the bridge between the front of house and the back of house. Right. Yeah. You know, and like I'm, you know, like extra critical and I have a high attention to detail. So when you get those chits and you're reading them out, like I actually have a lot of fun doing that. Mm. So I enjoyed that. That's an underrated job. And I don't know how much of it, like it, it only really sort of exists in like big restaurants now, I think. Like, but if, like, if I could afford to have an expediter at like some at my sort of smaller spots, I would totally do it because it's incredibly valuable. Like, yeah, like, like it's literally a last line of defense to make sure everything goes out properly. It's that's one way. To look away, look at it. The other way I look at it is the expediter really is they're dedicated to that look that the or sorry the first look that the customer gets. Right, and that's how I always looked at it. You yeah. know, like I mean, even if it's scrambled eggs and bacon and stuff, you know, like. Nobody's expecting anything that looks amazing with like uh, you know garnishes and stuff like that. But it's like that's the thing that they they're gonna get, and that's what they're gonna be presented to eat. You know, it's like as soon as they yeah. get it, they should just be like, "Wow, this yeah, is amazing." The bacon right? can't so, be burned. The eggs can't look brown. Like yeah. it matters for everything for sure. Yeah. And like I, I, I do feel because when you're in the weeds and you're serving. Like, let's be honest, you're not always looking that carefully at no, what you're doing. You're just not. grabbing and go. Yeah. You, usually it's, oh shit, I forgot that. And then you yeah. grab it out of the window and run to a table. Exactly. Yeah. You're, thinking yeah. about, you're thinking about the person who's screaming at you at another table over. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, that's a cool job. And did did you end up going to serving and, and or bartending after that? Yeah, I did both serving and bartending. And uh, those were great jobs and I, I really enjoyed them. I, I served at. Uh, like pubs, and I served at family diners. My my favorite shift ever was Gatsby's Diner, working the breakfast shifts. They were insane. We had like ten tables sections, and every table was like full of screaming kids, and they would turn over every half an hour, forty five uh, minutes, like super duper high pace. And again, this was your favorite job. This was my favorite. <laughs> First of all, you described it. It sounds fucking terrible. And secondly, I've never heard anyone. And we we're on. We were just talking about this before. We're on episode one ten plus. I got thirty years in the business. I've never heard anyone say my favorite spot was the breakfast spot. Oh man. Well, you know what? I, I, maybe it's because you know. I before I was serving breakfast, I'd spent five years working in kitchens and right. and doing the other stuff, right? But I mean... I, and the some, money must have been pretty good too, right? The money was incredible. Right. Like, even though it was like $2.99 breakfasts and $3.99 breakfasts. But the turnover. Turnover was so fast. The pace was so fast. Like you get in there and you're kind of dragging ass at like 6.30 in the morning. But the next thing you know, it's like, okay, it's 11.30 and you're cut. And you're counting out your money at the end of the shift. And you're like, holy shit, you know? Yeah, flew by and you got the rest of the day. Yeah, and, and the, other thing, the other thing, too, is, like, you don't have to deal with, like, cocktails and drinks, and, like, yeah, like the yeah. selection is usually relatively limited. It's like, Bacon, ooh, big eggs. surprise, an omelet at this table, you know? Yeah. Like, <laughs> this is going to be exciting. So, <laughs> I, I what a actually, wild ride. <laughs> I actually really enjoyed that. The bar, like, I, you know what, it, it's, there's this romance about being a bartender, and I did it, and I didn't like it, actually. And where did you, you know? bartend? What kind of places were you bartending? Actually, the place that I bartended at was King Street Trio, and it you know, it was more of a oh, fine which, dining room. Which location? Place. So this is the King Street location in Kitchener next oh, to the So the original. Oh, the yeah. original yeah. location. When they took over that, that, that one spot that was quite questionable, right? Is that the word, by, right by City Hall? Yeah, well, I think it was... Fine, and then it became questionable. <laughs> it became like a, a, 
uh, Taiwanese restaurant or something like that. Oh my yeah, god, I, I fucking remember that place. Remember that? What was that place called? I, the Happy Tiger. I can't remember. So, yeah, 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 yeah. Something like that. So I had um, a two-year stint where I decided that I wanted to get a quote-unquote real job and see how that went. And so I went, I quit the service industry and I went and worked at Rogers. Like, I don't know what was, like, obviously I'm a moron, but like, or, or it was then. Well, you, and, had to, you had to try out to find out what you don't like. Exactly. And boy, did I find that out. Yeah. And uh, I, uh, we had, my partner at the time was still in the service industry and we had one car. And so she always had it because she needed it more than I did. And so I would take the bus home and I would, the, my, the bus stop was right in front of that fucking place. And I get off, I worked like the 12 to 9 shift and I. Is the only place in the entire 30 years in, that I've been doing this job that I ever saw them have a bouncer at, on Monday night at 9 o'clock. <laughs> <laughs> because uh, that place was a fucking dog oh, show. Oh, yeah, okay. yeah. <laughs> Well, it wasn't like that when I was there, that's for sure. I, but, I, yeah, I can't see you. So, like, uh, what kind of drinks are you making there, though? Is it mostly, like... It was... This kind of pre-cop... Cocktail revolution, right? In, yeah, in oh yeah, like, and you know, if you talk to uh, Brian who owns King Street Trio and owned it back then, like, he'll tell you, like, they were a steakhouse back then, you know, that was all there was in KW for high-end restaurants. Yes. It was all, you know, they're independent versions of the keg, right? And so the cocktails there, they weren't necessarily that exciting. It wasn't like running a bar where it's like there's all these people socializing and having fun right. and watching sports or something like that. It's 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 a little it's, it's fine dining there, right? Or casual fine dining at that place. So mostly like beer and wine, probably. There was there was a lot of Caesars and a lot of martinis and a lot of Manhattan's and mm. just like your standard stock stuff. Nothing really exciting. But the other thing too is because like like uh, Brian's experience uh, was like from the keg and stuff like that, like. You know, there wasn't a ton of attention to the bar. It was like, we're, sure. we're about the menu and stuff like yeah. that, right? And well, it's a restaurant. It's not a bar. Yeah, yeah that's right. And, and that's, that's how they made their money. Like, mm-hmm. they were, they had an awesome menu back then. Like, they were the only ones certi- serving certified Angus beef, and that was a, oh, wow. a big deal back then. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I just didn't, like, it just didn't jive with me, that whole atmosphere. And that that's, that's more on me. But what it did was it gave me an understanding of what fine dining is really about Mm -hmm. and like the realities of serving and working in restaurants like there's a lot of like fiddles to violins just because you're good in in bar situation doesn't mean you're necessarily good in fine dining right and same with you know breakfast joints like i said like you know the breakfast joint was my jam like i I loved it like i love the nightlife and i love the people and stuff but the the working atmosphere just didn't go for me personally in, in in that realm but i love it as a customer that's for sure you know yeah yeah. Catch me up five nights a week. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, okay, so at some point, uh, okay, well, let's just talk about, like, obviously you've always been musically inclined. When you were growing up, were you always in bands or? I was a late bloomer in bands. Uh, my dad actually was a uh, sports guy. He had a scholarship to the University of Detroit the year after they won the NCAA for baseball. Oh. So they, they were the best team in baseball, and out of all, I can't remember how many players, they only had two people on full scholarships, and my dad was one of them. Oh wow! But you know, like when you uh, when you're a kid growing up, and you learn things from your parents, like you learn not only what to do as a parent down the road, but also what not to do. Right. And so the one thing that happened to him because of his like rigorous upbringing was that uh, 
you know, discipline was like key. So he was opposite with me. He was like anti-discipline. Well, yeah. mm. So of course I became this rebellious artist comedian guy. <laughs> and so I didn't discover sports <laughs> until I was 15. You know, mm. my dad is like this amazing pitcher and he didn't throw me, show me how to throw until I was like a teenager. And by then, if you're going to try and do sports, like it's too late. It's too late. Yeah, it shit. really is, you know, and I, I learned a lot about the politics and sports because of it. I remember going out to tryouts to some like competitive uh, teams and I remember thinking I was way better than some of these guys and they all got on the team because their dad was in the league because yeah. they'd made the league for the last four or five years in the other divisions. And so I was really bummed about that. But what I learned was how to practice. There's, there's a lot of parallel between sports and music. And so the practice habits I had from sports, I picked up instruments about 16 years old. Oh, that is late. So it, yeah, It's late yeah. as well, but it's, it's not the same. So I took the competitive nature of sports and the, the practice methods of sports and applied it to music. And I got really good really fast at music. And so I kind of, I wouldn't say I exploded onto the music scene, but all of a sudden I went from like this nobody to like, oh yeah, I've, that, there's that guy who plays in these bands and nice. he's right. a hot shot. So I kind of came in late. And the parallels too, like, the, the, like I don't think people really get into music or restaurants because of money. I think they get into it for the lifestyle. They, they enjoy living in that atmosphere. Mm -hmm. And so music and, and dining, fine dining or, or restaurants and bars and stuff like that, they go, they go hand in hand. So yeah. the transition was pretty easy, actually. I, I already had connections through the restaurants and mingling with people and stuff like that. And hey, so what did you start playing for your first set of instruments and stuff? Uh, I, I, the first thing I got pretty good at was trumpet through high school. Oh, nice. And then, uh, I did the same. Yeah, right on, yeah. You know, you feel like you're the band leader. Yeah. I get this yeah. loud. <laughs> Dan, was, Dan was in the marching band, too. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. right. Yeah. Mercy Waterloo. Yeah. The, the, I don't know. Wait, did you do, um, what's it called, uh, Dutch Boy or anything like that here? Probably. Yeah, it was a long time ago. Okay. <laughs> but uh, yeah, It was a lot of fun. Just uh, to wish I would have kept on playing, actually, a lot. Yeah, that's what time. a lot of people say. I'm like, I, I, everyone who's ever touched an instrument, I was really good at piano when I was a kid, but I fought against it, and then I was like, because I was forced to do it, and yeah. now I'm like, and my, I remember my dad saying to me, you're going to regret this because you want to quit. You wanna, you're going to regret it. And I'm like, well, oh, fuck you. What are you doing? Fuck you, old man. What are you doing? You're old. Personal problems. You have no life experience, old man. You know yeah. nothing. And, and then I, I was like, I was like, okay, I'm gonna play guitar instead. And that's what, because that's what the cool kids play. Yeah. And then I fucking sucked at it. Yeah, so, right. I, yeah. Like, people love the idea of being a musician. They hate the reality of becoming a musician. Yeah, oh, it's hard, hard work. It's hard work, man. Yeah. Uh, what were we talking about before yeah. hard work? Oh, so oh, you yeah. were good. You started with trumpet. Oh yeah. yeah. So you know, and, and that was available in school, and it was you know, I guess cool for school. But but through restaurants again, like I saved my money to buy my first drum kit. Like, that's what I wanted to do. Oh, nice. I, I uh, when I got into high school, there was guy on drums named Marty Cote who was playing drums and I was the first time I heard a drum set like in person you know drums were on TV that's where you do that you yeah, have yeah. to be a rock star that's not a real thing so I show up to, to band practice and uh, there's this guy playing drums and I stop looking at my music because there's four of the trumpet players playing anyways so I just look back and I'm watching the guy on drums I was like that's the coolest fucking thing ever so I saved my money and bought my first drum kit by myself. My parents didn't get me into it or anything like that. Oh, wow. Paid for my own lessons and stuff. And, it, and it, that was funded by the, the restaurant industry, you know. Right. That's, that, that's how I look back on that stuff. Yeah. And so. And yeah, then, yeah. And like, races. yeah, no, no right-minded pair buys their kid a drum kit. So <laughs> that's like, but, uh, so yeah. So then you, like, so when did you start, like, sort of playing in bands around Kissinger Waterloo? Because, like, now you're 
city renowned for playing drums and being like like essentially everyone's go to. Yeah, so I, I don't know if this is how you do it. If the, if that's what this podcast is for, is to teach the world how to become a musician. <laughs> yeah. uh, my, my first recommendation is don't try and become a musician. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, you know what I did was I, I just started playing original music again. Like you just do it because you want to do it. Mm. That that's it. And so I found a couple of people that were like minded. I started in the original music scene, which is really different than like the cover music scene. And you just write your own tunes, and usually it's like months and months of practicing and writing and paying attention to shit that nobody's going to notice when you get on stage, but that's just what you do. Mm-hmm. And then you go and play these half-hour sets for no money. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we reached uh, stardom on the microcosms. We charted across Canada, and we toured across Canada, or at least out east anyways, a few times. And that was a lot of fun, but it wasn't very prosperous. Right. But, uh, you know, like... You gain a bit of notoriety, and you tour around. You meet a lot of bands and stuff like that. Like we played with some pretty big bands, like uh, Winter Sleep is a band that we played with a couple times, mm-hmm. and, and um, the Constantines and a whole bunch of other bands that were that became really big. And that was the scene that I came up in. And after that band kind of dissolved, I was like, I'm too old for this, man. I, you know, I didn't make it as a you know a 21 year old. <laughs> right. I'm, I'm washed up. And meanwhile, I think I'm 24 years old. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and. Uh, Later on, uh, um, one of the customers at the store that I was working at, Sherwood Music, I was doing that um, along with music. Yeah, he came in. He's like, "Hey, I need a drummer for my CD release party." And like, I'm like two years, like you know, semi-retired kind of thing, and I hadn't played. And I was like, "You're a cool dude. I'll, I'll back you up on drums." And so I started playing with this kid, Colin White. He's 14 years old, releasing his like second album. Jesus. I was like, "Yeah, this like, kid's gonna make it." Yeah. I'm gonna take it out of here. Fuck this guy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's a little bit of yeah. that in yeah. too. It's yeah. like, he had just opened for Sammy Hagar actually at 13 Holy years shit. old. Jesus. But but uh, so I started playing with him. and I was like, "Oh, this guy's actually really cool." Like it's you know my my band wasn't the only cool band around. All right. I was yeah. wrong. So I started playing with this guy, just doing covers, and I was like, "Man, this is a lot of fun." Like I forgot. That's why I got into music. I got into music to have fun. So then I started playing in a, a couple of other bands with a few other people, and then eventually it uh, formed into Romeo Sex Fighter, which was Paul McLeod was in that band, and Brian Wright and Ryan Allen from the Miniatures, and all of us had played in like other bands that were fairly popular for the indie scene around here. Mm-hmm. It became known as this like all star band, and then from there like everything kind of worked out like that. That was the magic that happened for us like. Playing and How'd you guys come up with that name? Oh yeah. Well, actually, before I tell you that story, yeah. I, I want to know what you what you think or how you think we came up with that name. What do you think it means? I honestly have no fucking clue, so I'm not even gonna hazard a guess. Do you have a, a feeling or a sensation when you hear Romeo Sex Fighter? Are you exhilarated? Are you sad? <laughs> it always makes me laugh every time I hear that name, actually. I'll be honest with you. I was like, that's a, that's a great It is a good name. Because it, 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 it's very unique and it really stands out. And I always, like, I remember, that's one of those band names I remembered right off the bat. It sounds like a children's wrestling doll. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, um... Yeah, so that's actually one thing I like about uh, a band name, not the children's doll thing, but, <laughs> but when you hear a band name and it's like you, it, it clicks with you yeah. and like you associate a band with that name when you hear it. And that's kind of, I guess, the cool thing about Romeo Sex Fighter is like nothing else really comes to mind. Right. So once someone says there's this band Romeo Sex Fighter, I'm not thinking about a car or anything like that. You, you have to it, use your imagination. Right. It, it sounds, like par- sounds like party. 
Yeah, yeah. And, well, and you're gonna remember it too, right? Like it's like you're okay. I know that band. There's nobody else who's got a name like that. Yeah. I'm not gonna confuse them with another. That's band, right. right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Romeo Sex Fighter. Did you say uh, the Doors? No. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, so the way we came up with this name was Brian was having a blast playing with Facebook's brand new translation algorithm. So he would type something into Facebook, like, you know, I'm going to go to the store. He would translate it to Japanese, and then he would translate it back to English, and then it would just come out like gobbledygook, like it just would make sense. And like some of the stuff coming out just made him laugh. And so in one of the sentences, he had written something, and in three words that had been put together somewhere in that sentence said, Romeo Sex Fighter, and it was just nonsense to him. And he just said, like, like at the next day, like he was just like, hey, how about this for band name? And... That's funny. Um, yeah, the rapper, well, Donald Glover, the rapper Childish Gambino, actually got his name, Childish Gambino, from the Wu-Tang name generator. So there's like this thing Amazing. that you can type your name into the Wu-Tang name generator and it gives you what your Wu-Tang your name, name? Yeah, what okay. your Wu-Tang name would be. Okay. I, I'm a, I'm Annoying Commander, by the way. Annoying Commander? Yeah. That's pretty good. Yeah. Um, but uh, anyway, so like you said, like you guys are known now as sort of like the all-star musicians in town, and basically now you've um, transformed into doing like a cover band sort of uh, motif, right? Um, so like what, what, for someone who came up doing like your own material and like in a band like that, how do you feel about moving into like doing sort of more cover material? Is that something that you enjoy? It's just like... I know it, like, you get booked, for sure. <laughs> yeah, like, it is it is different. Um, again, going back to, like, why I started, I just like playing music, you know? When when I started out in original music, there's, like, this attitude of, like, poo-poo yeah, towards, yeah. like, cover music. Sure. I remember going to see, uh, I was actually in a band with Marty Cote, the, the drummer guy that I looked up to. He, he had asked me to come play in his band, which was, like, awesome, because he was, like, an icon to me, and then became a friend and bandmate. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we were in a band together and we were out one night and I remember seeing some band. I don't remember exactly, I remember exactly who it was, but uh, I remember watching and looking over and like giving the side elbow like, hey, these guys are pretty good. And his attitude was like, yeah, but it's covers. And I remember thinking, okay, yeah, yeah, but it's covers. Yeah, mm-hmm. that makes sense, you know? And so every time I heard people do covers, I was like, yeah, this, right. this isn't cool, this is covers. And then uh, I never understood why I had to have that attitude. But that was a common thing. And so uh, when I started playing covers with uh, Colin, I was just like, this is actually really fun. Like, mm-hmm. I don't mind this. Like, and I remembered back to that conversation I had with Marty. I was like, well, I actually thought covers were cool. And what I like about doing covers is like, you, you as, a, as a musician get to take somebody else's tune that you maybe love or don't like and put in what you wanted to do to that tune or change a tune that you never liked to make it a tune that you like, you know? Like, you can find something in it that you can gravitate towards and then bring it out. So there are elements of being an artist and being in a cover band. 100%. I think that's an underrated thing as well. Yeah, absolutely. It's funny. I was watching something the other night on TV. It was a movie or a TV show or something. At the end of it, when they were rolling the credits, they played... um, the Linda Ronstadt version of When Will I Be Loved? And I was like, fuck, that's so good. And then so I went down like a little Linda Ronstadt rabbit hole. And oh, sure. It's almost all fucking covers. And like 
one of the most famous singers on the planet, right? Oh, like, yeah, and, yeah, and Rod Stewart's another good example of that, obviously. But like, Aretha but they Franklin, make the songs like, their like, own, right? Yeah, yeah, sure. Well, all the soul people, right? And then you go back to jazz. Everything comes from the standards. That's right. So, that's right. Like my favorite track of all time is my favorite things by John Coltrane, and that's just a standard jazz track, right? It's a Christmas right. song, actually. Like, right. yeah. and, and that's funny because like like people remember like those great versions of the song. Nobody really cares who wrote it. No, you know, like yeah. So I actually I really like doing covers, you know, and, and a lot of my favorite bands. I find out that they have these releases of cover tunes, and it's like I always think they're better than the originals, and I'm like. You know why? Why is why is doing covers not cool? Like that's all they used to do in music. You know, yes. like the whole blues scene, and yeah, like you said, the jazz scene. It's, and everything comes from blues anyway. So what the fuck? At the end of the day, pretty much all rock music is doing. Yeah, covers. there's only a couple of chords available <laughs> yeah. in, those, in that yeah. genre. The rock catalog is covers. Yeah, that, <laughs> <laughs> unless you're, I guess, Rush, but then. That's the rock. Yeah, you got to get some Dungeons and Dragons involved. (laughs) (laughs) But um, okay, so now, like, and now, the one thing I did want to talk to you about is like, so you've played in bars everywhere now with your original bands. Now with Romeo Sex Fighters, very popular. You had a regular gig at the Old Duke of Wellington forever. Um, Do you have any like crazy stories about dealing with drunks or dealing with shitty (laughs) bar owners or bad promoters or not getting paid? Um, I'm fortunate that I don't have too many uh, issues with that. There's there's been a couple. Oh, give me time. I don't know if they're I don't know if they're uh, <laughs> I don't know if they're really worth telling a story oh. about. All right. Well, one of them was uh, I guess maybe I'll edit it out. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, but uh, one of them was like we went to this this wedding gig. And, oh, uh, that's a tough crowd always. Cause well, yeah. can you, know, you can you play something good? Yeah, yeah. All right, oh. all right fuck face. Okay, yeah. so, you know, I got a side story for that. So like we're playing this corporate party, and uh, we just finished playing. Uh, what is it? Jesse's girl, right? Oh, yeah. nice. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Okay, you get it. And yeah. we finish it, and someone goes, "Play something we know." I was so like, how, "Who fucking doesn't know that song?" And so yeah. Brian replies, "He goes, what do you want to hear? Jimmy crack corn?" Like, yeah. <laughs> like, I, used, I remember from DJing, people would come up to me and ask me for an artist that I was playing at the exact same time that <laughs> yeah, they're asking exactly. for. I'm like, this is who you're asking for. But it wasn't like the like the specific song they were looking for. Yeah. Like, yeah. But yeah, there's gigs like that all the time, man. But we, we did this one gig and, and we go and we set up ahead of time. And like as far as weddings go, like people know what they're getting when they hire Romeo Sex Fighter. Nobody hires Romeo Sex Fighter in a reference. When you hear the name Romeo Sex Fighter, everyone's <laughs> yeah. like, geez, I don't know, my dad, you know, he might not like it. Yeah, you know, yeah, it's yeah. like, he'll like it, but the name is Romeo Sex Fighter. Anyways, we get there, we do our setup, we go for to change, I think, and, and we come back and somebody's removed half our speakers. Oh. And it's like, we spent two hours like doing our sound check and tech and setting up and stuff. And it's this guy who's, he's like this guy who books for the wedding. He actually books for the venue and a series of venues that they have. He books DJs. And so he took it upon himself as some kind of audio authority to remove half our equipment. And so I had to have a few words with him. And it was shortly after he said, like, oh, well, you know, we have this funk band in here. And they were too loud, you know. And so I said to him, 
Yeah, but you're talking about DB and FPLs, and I'm talking about frequencies and CPSs. And he looked at me like I had two heads, and I yeah. realized this guy doesn't know what the fuck he's talking about. Right. And so the conversation escalated from there, and eventually he got kicked out. But <laughs> <laughs> stuff like that happens, you know, like somebody thinks they know something better, and it's just like, this isn't my first rodeo, man. Like, yeah. Like, yeah. Just, yeah. Yeah, that's always, uh, and that, I mean, that used to happen to Dan and I. Dan did a lot more weddings than I did. I gave up earlier than he did. He's uh, He was more of a glutton. But, yeah, yeah it's it, always like, no, I want you to play this. I'm like, yeah, but your aunt doesn't. Like, yeah. <laughs> and then it's like, no, we, like the music you play, like I would be DJing a gig at like a bar that I was DJing at, and someone would go, oh, you got to play my wedding. I love what you play. I'm like, yeah, but fucking Aunt Mabel won't. Yeah. Like, and then it's just nonstop complaints, yeah. right? Like, I remember doing a wedding for a friend. He was His wife uh, was originally from Romania, now ex-wife. When one of her cousins came up, hey, can you play some uh, Romanian music, some traditional stuff? We want to hear it because, you know, they're all from the old country. I'm like, sure, no problem. Play that up. Fucking bride comes up. Turn this off right now. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It was the old chicken head yell. Yeah. <laughs> you're embarrassing me. And I told him what it was. I'm like, you're such a fucking. Uh, yeah. And like I said, they're divorced. <laughs> okay, so now Romeo Sex Fighter obviously took a hit during the pandemic. Like oh, anybody yeah. who has anything to do with bars or playing in bars or did. Now you're kind of sort of in a situation where you. Like, the Duke actually has moved, and that was, like, your regular gig forever. Yep. So you're now in a situation of trying to, like, are you booking gigs again, or, like, what's what's the plan? Yeah, so for us, like, uh, we're, we're, we're trying to figure out still what we're going to do, because like you said at the, at the beginning of this podcast, it's like, like, yeah, there's no restrictions, and we should be grateful for what's going on, but we're all trying to figure out, like, how to figure out the climate of, of this mm-hmm. industry right now like you said Thursdays are rammed and Saturdays are dead and it's like just even the like the times that people are going out like we used to play from 10 until 2 on Sunday and it was rammed out the door yes. right oh, yeah. and nowadays like I'm, I don't know about you guys but half the time like I feel like going to bed at 8.30 on a Friday <laughs> <laughs> I, wish, so, I wish I could stay up till 8.30 yeah. and, uh, and so like it, it's really tough for us to gauge because like we, we don't, we're not sure When's the party gonna happen? Right. You know, and like, what do we do? Do we change our sound? Do we change what we do, or something like that? Like, I don't know. So, like, w- we do want to have like this regular gig that we do at a venue that complements what we do, um, but it's really tough, and our demand is really high. Like, if if we play a venue that has fifty people, like, it's just there'll be so many people that won't get in, they'll be really pissed off. Mm-hmm. And a couple of venues that closed down throughout the pandemic would have been perfect. For they you. are the right size yeah. venues, and so like now they're Rhapsody, not open. Yeah. Maybe, yeah. Okay. Well, I, I just know that there's a 130 capacity spot in downtown <laughs> Kitchener that might be a solution for you. But uh, <laughs> but uh, I but I, I wanted to talk. Uh, I want to talk, get to your app. Obviously, that's an important sure. thing to talk about. But before we get there, and it, it's impossible. I'm only going to ask you one in your set list in your repertoire. Uh, you guys are always expanding it. You're putting new songs in, or at least it seems like that to me. What do you have? Like a top three of your favorite tracks to play? Mm, just my personal ones. Yeah. Oh man, they're gonna be like the wrong tunes to promote a band for. That's for sure. That's okay. Uh, what's that squeeze tune? Uh, Hollow muscles for Michelle. Uh, 
I don't think so. And it's not the other one, but it's the other one. Yeah, oh, gotcha. I think I'm excited. I think the lyrics are like, I got my toothbrush. Da, da, da. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Tempted by the fruit of the Oh, nice. Yeah. That's yeah. a great I song. Yeah, I fucking love that song. And like, no. like maybe that's a <laughs> That should promote your band. That song's killer. I love that tune. Yeah. And you know what? Like, as a drummer, like, you know, you think of like, oh, Rush, you know, or something like that. It's like, yeah, those are fun tunes to play, but I just love doing the easiest thing and listening to everybody else. I, like, it's got a nice smoky kind of beat to it. Really. But, yeah, but yeah. you also yeah. like are great at laying in the cut there and moving the band along. I've noticed that from the few times I've watched you guys play. Like, uh, I remember when you did play Sugar Run for that private party not long ago, I was like, yeah, fuck, man. Like, you, when you say band leader, you are leading that band, man. Like, uh, yeah. thanks, man. Don't tell the rest uh, of the guys that. No, no, they, they don't listen to this shit, don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> so you got two more, two more uh, tracks. Um, yeah, so I like that one. I like... Uh, oh, frick. I, I put you on the spot a little bit. Yeah, so you did there, yeah. man. Yeah. I mean, actually, here's the... Oh, let, before I answer that, let me tell you a little bit about the history of Romeo Sex Fighter that you probably haven't disclosed to your fans yet. This band came together by accident. It was never supposed to be a band. A band had canceled at the boathouse, and we were at out on the uh, deck there, or the what's it called, the patio at, at Victoria Park. And Kevin said, oh, I need a band because this guy canceled. So everybody had all their gear in the car, so we just set, set up and started playing. Oh, cool. Uh, I actually wasn't a part of that very first gig, but... But, but that's how it came to be. But that's yeah. how it came yeah. to be. And the thing is, is all the songs were figured out on stage at the time. So uh, Paul or Brian would take the lead, and you had to just follow. So all you got was a head nod from the person at the microphone, and it was like, okay, there's a change coming or a stop coming, and you better figure it out in a hurry. Oh, man. And so the, the next gig that happened, the drummer who was initially there, Chris Flanagan, couldn't make it, so I got the call in, and so that's what we did. I just showed up, and it's just like, just show up with your ears open and your eyes up, and we're going to figure this out. And a lot of the tunes I've still never heard. I just know the songs when Romeo Sex Fighter does them. Oh, so, really? So the tricky thing is when you say, like, you know, what are your favorite oh, tunes? Yeah, it's just like, like, I don't even know some of these tunes. Oh, I only know the... Playing. And, and this is why two people like Romeo Sex Fighter. It's like, oh, I love the way you guys do this tune. It's like, well, that's because half the band hasn't even heard the song before. <laughs> oh, wow, nice. that might be the fucking secret. That's amazing, and, yeah. And, and that's part of the magic, too, like, yeah. with live music. And, and, you know, like, that's the whole thing, uh, appeal of jazz and blues. It's not about the songwriting. It's about the capturing the moment of creation. Those those groups because there's a lot of improvisation that happens, right? Mm. You know, jazz especially, right? It's like here's this head, and yeah, okay, well, cool. We learn the head. We learn the form of the head, and we learn the notes, and we're all gonna bang it out. And then it's improv time. And for the audience who who really love and appreciate jazz, it's all about watching this moment of these people creating this moment, right? And that was the interesting thing about Sex Fighters that it was rock format tunes, but Done in a jazz style. That's yeah. right. It was all the moment of creation, you know, like. It's like, awesome. Well, it comes across, man. Like it does. Like I, I do feel that way. Like uh, you know, and because I, and I know there is always this negative connotation of like, oh, he's going to make a shit ton of money just playing covers. Like, but then when you, when you guys, like when people come and see you, they can see what's happening there. Yeah. 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 I, I've had that compliment a lot, actually, yeah. like from people that I respect in the music industry, and I remember reading on a couple of musicians out of Hamilton. Uh, I'd gotten introduced to them at the boathouse, and I could tell that they were musicians, but I didn't know who they were. And then 
they left and uh, they connected on Facebook and their Facebook profile said, I just saw the best cover band in my life. Yeah. And it was kind of neat, you know, like, you know, musicians going out of their way to say that, you know, yeah, like it was really great. cool. So, so. How much is it you guys playing to the room and how much playing a set list? A ton to the room. It's all to the uh, room. Nice. That's all that makes a room. massive we, difference. Eh? The, the first two tunes is all about us warming up and we watch how they respond to those tunes. So we have like a catalog of like 10 tunes we'll start with. But after that, it's just like anything is fair game. Like, yeah. like, like we've played some pretty big bangers, like three songs in, you know, because like, the crowd's ready to rock. Right. You know, and so we'll just take them in outer space right off the get-go, right? <laughs> That's great. And yeah, like it's, for us, it's all about reading the room. That's cool. For sure. All right, well, let's, uh, we're getting ready to wind up here, but let's talk a little bit about Social Kindred before we do that, because I, I think this app's fucking amazing, and if you live in the Kitchener-Waterloo area, you definitely should be downloading this app so tell us all about it and, and, and why you came up with the idea so the app for those of you who don't know it uh, it lists primarily right now all the things that are going on that are social at nightlife venues so anything any venue that hosts live music if they have like trivia nights or if they have stamp comedians or karaoke or anything like that anything so that you can actually just go out into public and do something that's what it promotes there's actually some major developments coming along We've got some the tech team that wants to devote like full time. Oh, you it. do? That's great. Yeah, that, yeah, this is actually brand new news, and it's like the, the details haven't been ironed out. But because of the progress that's been happening, I'm really looking forward to this. We should have a major release in about two months, and there's gonna be some major additions to it. Amazing. So I won't disclose what's gonna happen just in case we don't get it out. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but uh, I'm really excited about it. I think we're gonna be able to deliver something really cool here. But the whole point is to like inform the public what's going on like as a musician uh the thing that fueled me was i i never felt like i could tell everybody what's going on or i could never reach people and and, and all those people that would say like oh there's nothing going on in town you know the problem with kw is that you know there's nothing happening and right. i knew that wasn't true yeah, meanwhile there's 15 bars doing something that tons night. Yeah, yeah. There's, yeah there's actually there's 80 in, in kitchener Waterloo, cambridge guelph 80 venues that have something going on at least once a week right there's that's quite a bit you yeah. know and so I, I found that the problem was that nobody knew how to find these places and so the the motivation for me was to put this together i mean for years i just spent time in the bars getting drunk with people going you know somebody should make an app that tells you where everything's going on and then after a while i can't remember what it was oh it was a friend of mine who came over and he was like, yeah, I know you're in the music industry. I, I got this idea to put on a festival. And I said, you're an idiot. Don't do that. He said, if you want to do something for the music industry, he's, he's part of tech. I was like, you should have this app that tells people what's going on. He thought it was a brilliant idea. So me and him got together and we built a website first. And we just did it out of Google Calendar. And uh, what I was really blown away by was well, after we did that, there was more information, more credible information on that Google calendar than there was anywhere else on the internet for what was going on locally and I was just like this is better than Facebook this is better than Twitter mm. this is what me and him did in a week and a half I was like I'm going to keep pushing for this and so eventually I just put my money where my mouth was and, and paid some developers to get it going and took it to where it is now And so how did you find the developers? Uh, the first people I got <laughs> it was a team of uh, developers out of India oh, Cle yeah. clearly they have some sort of like 
you know, data mining thing that was like, hey, so you're looking for developers, eh? Through yeah. Google? So they found me. But I mean, their rates were crazy. It was 1100 bucks to hire this team of developers for like six months. Right. And everybody else was quoting me $40,000. And I was just like, well, I guess I'm going to send these guys a couple thousand dollars. Or I guess yeah. 1100 bucks. You got to try it out, right? Cause yeah. And, and it was like, I, I could tell after like three months that I was like, not that these people couldn't take care of it. The language was a real barrier. Sure. But the product that they gave me was something that showed people around here that I was serious. And so that's how I was enable to get people around here on board. Ah, And nice. so, so I, I, I'm yeah, grateful like you're for willing what to put got... some fucking money into it. Yeah. Right? Like, and, oh, God, that is everything. Like, like even like, like me as someone who's op who opens bars, it's like you need investor money for sure. But if you're not out there saying I will also put some of my own money into this because I believe in the idea, then why the fuck would they believe in you? That's right. You know, yeah. like... Nobody yeah. takes anything seriously unless money's involved. That's no. 100%, man. Sad but true. Sad yeah. but true. All right, Jay, this was an awesome conversation, and uh, everybody should check out Social Kindred. Do you want to promote any of your own social media or shows coming up for Romeo Sex Fighter before we... Uh, actually, uh, yeah, there's Romeo Sex Fighters playing at... Um, the Moose Lodge of all places on May 27th, and it's 20 bucks a ticket, and I think we're about 60 or 70% sold out right now. Tickets went on sale last week, but that'll be a really fun show, actually. It's, we, we changed the venue up, and it, we bring in some big equipment, and it, it, it rocks like it was back in the 70s, man. Well, maybe tough. I'll see if Dan wants to get out of his house for yeah, a change right. that day, and we'll come down. It'll <laughs> <laughs> um, be fun. Yeah. Uh, okay, well, it was great talking to you as always, Jay, and uh, we have a hot date to go watch some play ba playoff basketball. Yeah, today, so. yeah. Celtics. Yes, that's what I want to hear. Okay, thanks again, Jay. It was awesome. See you, bud. Thanks, man. Bye.